And like personally, whenever a teacher tells me like, hey, you get to be creative here, uh, I guess in that sense, it doesn't mean I get to be creative. It means I get to be acceptably creative. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that a teacher doesn't want you to really be creative in school. They want you to not fully be creative in a sense, but just, you know, be creative in the box, which, you know, I can I can appreciate that. Yeah. I think a lot of great ideas can come from that. But I also think when you're be creative in the box and the box is too small because the boxes use colors, I don't think that's being creative. Hey everybody, this is Philip Mott. Welcome back to another episode of Schools Out. I'm really excited about this one because I get to talk to Mr. Brady Anderson. Brady has recently turned 18 and is a high school student. Uh, he's very interested in robotics, automation, drones, um, computer programming, all that kind of stuff. A lot of stuff that I know nothing about. And Brady really surprised me on this one. I met Brady... Uh, about a year ago through Don Wetrick's class and just found different ways to kind of encourage him and hook him up with a few different people that I knew in my network. And uh, we didn't actually talk about it in the, in the podcast together, but I think I helped him name the podcast that he ended up doing, which is called um, Next Gen Engineering. So he interviews... Uh, engineers within the state of Indiana. So he spelled engineer with I, starting with I-N. Um, but there were a couple things that he brought up when we were talking about education that I thought were just really powerful to me as a, coming from his perspective as a student. Um, the He had some ideas about how, like, why students actually hate their classes if they hate their classes like why they do he felt like they maybe are not in the right environment or it's just because they lack self-discipline which i thought was a really uh a really powerful insight that he had and then he talked about the importance of if you don't have adults in your life like at school or even at home that are helping you support helping support you, then you need to start thinking about where you can go to find that support because he's encouraging other people to understand that someone in the world thinks the same way as you do. And coming from an 18-year-old, and I'm someone who really values student voice, at least I believe I do, coming from an 18-year-old, I think that surprised me, having that level of maturity. So, um I hope you really enjoy our conversation, and if you have questions for uh, myself or Brady, just uh, find us on LinkedIn, find us on Twitter, and we'd be glad to chat with you. So we were talking, I'm sitting here with Brady, we were talking about the the latest art, the idea of basically amplifying student voice and your concern with that was like, well, then some students will be like, I don't want to do anything. So talk, tell me more about that and we'll argue about it. All right. Um, so 
I, I guess to kind of frame the situation, Philip and I were talking about this and he was saying, and the sense of giving people full control of a situation and you basically say, so you have control, you get to choose what goes on, you're the boss. Yeah. And so that's kind of like the frame of the situation. And we were kind of discussing that. And I was saying, well, personally, you know, I guess in a smaller scope, I was thinking this, I was saying like, personally, whenever a teacher tells me like, hey, you get to be creative here. Uh, I guess in that sense, it doesn't mean I get to be creative. It means I get to be acceptably creative. <laughs> Like I get to be in this frame and the scope of what they think is socially acceptable for the situation, which I understand. Like, oh, I, I was thinking you were saying exceptionally, but you were saying acceptably, acceptably correct. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Interesting. So like, I mean, it makes sense that a teacher doesn't want you to really be creative in school. They want you to not fully be creative in a sense, but just, you know, be creative in the box which you know i can i can appreciate that yeah i think a lot of great ideas can come from that but i also think when you're be creative in the box and the box is too small because the boxes use colors i don't think that's being creative <laughs> that's right. right like they they'll start the lecture with okay you can say anything and then a kid says i hate this assignment and they're like all right well you can't say anything yeah. But you can say more than you usually can. Yeah, and then you're just like, it was so fun. I hope this isn't like frowned upon, but like I was just trying to have fun today in English assignment, and um, we were going over basically forms of discrimination, which you know, getting me started on that, that just puts people in the victim mindset frame. Mm. We're like, oh, how are people victims? And I don't really have appreciation for that. I mean, I have appreciation for treating people with respect in a sense, and you know, giving yeah. everyone equal opportunity but I don't have appreciation for finding the worst in every situation. Mm. Um, so when we were kind of going over that, um, there was one scenario that I read that was like some kid is in elementary school. There's bigger kids that beat him up because he's smaller. And then they're like, what's one thing he could do to address this discrimination? And I was like, well, he could sell the guy weed and then show the police officers that he did this and then get him arrested. <laughs> and my teacher read that and she was like, yeah, no. She's like, we're not doing that. Get rid of it. And she like deletes it. And I was like, oh, it's yeah. whatever. I mean, I didn't really spend a lot of time on it. But right. I understand like there's like what is acceptable for school. And yeah. so, I mean, I'm not necessarily for or against that. I understand her decision, respect her decision, but you know, it's good to have fun and you know be creative and just goof around sometimes yeah. and maybe i should have been more under like more smart in the sense of hey maybe you shouldn't drop a drug reference in a school class <laughs> that's and, right like because i mean there's always a place and time for stuff like that yeah i totally agree with that and what i found interesting about the process of talking about founding our school is as i've explored other schools who are like this the, the students actually create rules that are good for the school that most students wouldn't like, but because they want to promote and keep their school open, yeah, um, they promote it. So some schools like ours, they allow their students to sleep during the day. Okay. And but others don't because they feel like it it reflects poorly on the school. Yeah. So they have like that pride. Yeah, they're like, we don't want people visiting and saying, oh, my kid can just sleep here. That's interesting. 
And, but it's the kids that are making that rule. It's not the adults that are like, because the kids outnumber the adults in these schools. Yeah. So if there's 50 students and there's only four teachers, then the majority wins. The teachers cannot overpower the students. Yeah. So the students made the rule that they can't sleep. So is there then organization there that goes into that? Like, how, how does these, like, is there like a governing body of students? Does student government actually have a place in the school? That's right, yeah. Like, it's student, the student government is relevant. And it's, it's the entire school. They call it the school meeting. That's so interesting. Every week, all the students and staff get together and they discuss, um, you know, happenings in the school, budgets, anything that the school is doing, any business that's going on. That's kind of cool. Because then you have ownership in that, right? Yeah. And like when I'm doing things, like I'm, I do a bunch of coding and I do a bunch, like a podcast, uh, you know, I do – Quite a lot, I think. I, you know, I play around with drones a lot. I'm a total nerd. <laughs> um, you play but, a lot around with what? Drones. Drones. Um, yeah, I like I build drones. drones. Like I play drones. <laughs> no, no, I I build drones. I, I program yeah. them. You know, I make them do funny things. Yeah. Is it um is it self driving at all? Can it? Chase so the it'll cat? it'll like um so how I was actually th- picturing this out. So I have the code written for it, but I don't have the materials to make that work. Hmm. So what it, basically what the function does is it'll take an input. And that input is a sensor, like a color sensor. So it'll look for a particular color. So my cat mm. is bright orange. Yeah. So there's not a lot of bright orange in my house. So yeah. this algorithm wouldn't work for like, you know, a place where there's a lot of orange. But the drone will basically fly around in a certain area until it finds the bright orange. Then it'll just follow nice. the bright orange until, yeah. you know, it either hits something that it can't go under or, you know, yeah, the cat hits it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's like even hearing people talk about that is just like I love watching videos about how they're using drones. I saw a recent one about they're using facial recognition. Oh yeah, uh, for, it's so cool, and it's just uh, incredible to think about. I I, I bet you kind of nerd out on that stuff quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I personally think with uh, everything that's kind of combining, you know, there's IoT, which is basically you use a sensor to send data to. A computer mm. and so that's what IOT is there's AI which basically does a lot of computations so it's a calculator that does calculations by itself really fast and it notices patterns really well mm-hmm. um, well it can it depends on how you frame it up then there's you know there's companies like Amazon and there's technology like robotics advancing with the hardware mm. with the you know the only thing that's not really advancing is batteries, which is kind of funny. You know, how we gather energy is advancing and yeah. how we're using this technology now with drones. Drones are huge because people are realizing now, you know, hey, we can use these super efficient, you know, brushless motors that we're making. We can then mm. pair this with software such as AI and IoT using sensors to gather data to send to our AI algorithms mm. to then process what's going on and make decisions based off patterns it's starting to recognize. Hmm. But you mean you have to train your items, right? So there is yeah. a process of setting this up, but it's very cool to see kind of the technology that you can combine uh, to see what that can be like made into, like right? Yeah. So with enough money and the right ideas and you know proof of concept, you can really make some powerful stuff. Like I saw something where they're using drones to 
basically save people in forest fires, right? So there's a forest yeah. fire happening, you know, you get this super powerful drone, it drops a wire, you know, you grab the wire, it's uh, like this little platform that you step on, you step on, yeah. drone flies up and you're safe. Yeah. And so I think that was really awesome. And, you know, personally speaking, one project that me and a few friends are working on, we're like, I wonder if you can like ride a drone. Like we want to, we want to ride on a right. drone. That would be awesome. Right. So you just step on and you're going around like you're on a skateboard, but you're in a three dimensional sense. Right. So it's kind of cool to, you know, understand this technology and have a background in programming with that. And then, you know, all we need is a proof of concept. And we go to a local company. We're like, Hey, can we have like $10,000? <laughs> and then they'll say maybe, or no, or I don't know. How um, much of your learning about development and and robotics and automation and all that stuff, how much of that has happened outside of school? Um, I say like the hands-on stuff has really been inside of school through robotics club, mm. which I don't think is kind of traditional school. I think it's more like extracurricular stuff. Yeah. So I've had really great teachers that have like kind of showed me the engineering design process in school. Yeah. And I've had some awesome classes that have really empowered me to sort of own my learning and then from there use resources the school provides because the school will give you a lot yeah if you show that you are a good student you can follow stuff but you can also be creative and you know you're a smart person yeah and i guess people think i'm a smart person uh and i do well in school and so my teachers have really empowered me to take my learning and they're like well we can't do that here I'm like okay yeah. and they're like what do i do they're like what are you talking about i'm like they're like, come on, go out to school, do some research, Brady, show me what you got, and maybe yeah. we can make something out of this. Right, right. And like, one of the best teachers I've probably ever had for engineering class is a guy named Mr. Bruick. Hmm. He is a teacher at an international school now and up in Dubai. Oh, okay. And hmm. so that's just shows you how good he is. He got recognized by some international school, and they're like, yeah. hey, teacher from Knowlesville. That's awesome. We want you. <laughs> and they're <Yeah>. like, okay, <laughs> which is really good for him because he's an amazing person. But he really showed me like, hey, I can like own my learning. I can do cool things. I can apply this in the real world and make some fun stuff. Yeah. And so I've used like what I learned in school to then empower what I do outside of school. So I wanted to learn how to program robots. So my teacher's like, well, you don't really have a lot of time in school. And I was like, okay. So then I started learning outside of school. And through like a two year process, you know, I grew a lot with my thinking, how I think, my mindset towards problem solving, my understanding of the engineering design process, and my understanding of what it means to make something you know economically smart. Yeah. And so I've gained so much more from the basic skills you learn in school by actually doing some meaningful work sharing that, because by sharing that, I've found mentors outside of school that know yeah. a lot. They're like, hey, you're yeah. a pretty smart kid. I'm like, hey, thanks. I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> They're like, hey, Thank you for telling me that. And they're like, I'll help you out this way. Like, yeah. there's a guy that I met. He's an entrepreneur from California, right? Mm. So he does virtual reality programming and augmented reality programming. Sweet. Yeah. And he was like, hey, saw that you're into coding. Got something that might be like might be interesting to you. So I was like, okay. And he's like, taught me how to like program and create apps in virtual reality and augmented reality. Which then you tie that in with drone technology and all that. You can start gathering video feed and using that as if I'm walking in a certain place. Yeah. And that takes walk a mile on my own shoes into a whole nother step, right? Mm -hmm. Tying English into this, how we're talking about discrimination. And you know, that's one application. Or you can take that into, you know, understanding 
the inside of a motor, what that would look like when actually like, when it's actually functioning. You know, there's all these different applications, and it's all about I think tying it back into your the school making your own rules. You know kind of tying in discipline and tying in all these like different technologies mm-hmm. being creative with that but also you know be having enough discipline to make rules and hold yourself to a standard and you know own your work and own what you're affiliated with yeah I think about you know the opportunities that you've had so many students don't have those outlets like right now technology is so huge but what about this it's like, what can we do for the student who doesn't really know what they're doing, but they hate all their classes? Like, they hate English, they hate math, they, it's like, they just want kind of some freedom from all that. Okay. What um, do you think we could do in a school setting? Well, there's like two initial reactions whenever I hear someone say, I hate all my classes. I either think, one, they don't have discipline, or two, they aren't in the right environment for them to learn. You know, I don't think everyone should have the most discipline or is going to be the most disciplined person at the, you know, age of 17, 14, 18. Right. Right. Um, so, I, you know, you have to consider like, okay, well, then they need to learn how to be disciplined by doing something they care about. So then when they say like, oh, I hate all my classes, well, you got to try some stuff first to understand. You know, mm-hmm. if it's not going to be classes, what are you trying? Because at least try something because you can't just sit there and say, I hate everything. And well, not you do can, anything. but it's not helpful. I think that's what you're saying. I, you you yeah. can sit there and say I hate everything because that's what I did. Yeah, but it wasn't helpful. I don't. I don't even. I would argue that it's not even healthy, right? Like, right. It's if not you're healthy. if you're yeah. hating everything, right. where is the positive vibes? I mean, po- positive vibes might sound a little goofy, but <laughs> you know, you gotta. There's so much good in the world that you can experience. Where if you're hating everything, then you're honestly not looking for the good and you're not mm-hmm. looking for the opportunities. Because personally speaking, once I started documenting and I showed that I was terrible, people thought that was awesome. Yeah. Which I laughed so hard. I was like, <laughs> how is this awesome? This is terrible. And like, I'm struggling. <laughs> and it's just like, I am terrible at this. So they're like, you are the best 16 year old I've ever seen. And then that puts it in perspective. It's like, you know, not to like make it all about competition, but then you think about it, you're like, what are my peers doing and versus what am I doing? And, you know, I'll be in my BC calculus class, which is full first two years of college calculus, I think. Mm. I might be wrong on that. Um, but we'll, we'll be in that class and we'll be talking about different things and I'll finish that and I'll do my work and I'll, I'll do pretty good. I'm not the best, um, but I'm still pretty good and I understand the content and I'm doing well. And then from there I go home and I got some of my friends, we hang out and we just nerd out, we do some code and we're like, bro, I just figured this out. And you start <laughs> to apply what you learn. Yeah. You, like, you know, the distance formula, someone asked me, when is the distance formula ever going to be useful? And I was like, well, it's funny because I use this in this program and this program basically, it used the distance formula and took your geolocations and from your geolocations, it determined how far you were away from an emergency and determined if that emergency was relevant to you or not. Mm-hmm. And I use that for a hackathon. And I got into the finals of the hackathon. We didn't win because my delivery was terrible and the Wi-Fi hated us. (laughs) This was before I was kind of comfortable with talking and comfortable with Hmm. presenting and like being able to just like talk with people as a normal person. Yeah. I used to be terrible at talking. I think one thing that you said was really important is find something to do that you care about. And what my experience was, and I've seen this in 
play out in a lot of different people over the years is that the thing that they most care about is not valued by the adults around them. Okay. So you're really into programming and coding and now drones. And it seems like there's a core of adults that even if they're not interested in it, they're like, yeah, Brady, that's fine. Do that. But then there's other kids. You're talking like art and stuff. And maybe it's, it's maybe not just art, but maybe some, some kids are into programming like you, but their parents are like, what are you going to do with that? Oh yeah. Like that's too hard for you or. Okay. And so it's So you're talking about when they don't have that like community of support. Yeah. Right. So there's like what over 8 billion people in the world. Uh, I don't think it's quite that, but I think it's around seven now, but it's pretty high. So there's a lot of people in the world, right? Yeah. And you know, if family guy has shown us anything, (laughs) there is at least one person that agrees with you 100%. Right. So you might not have the community locally and you know, being in person, I know is different when you have that in-person connection, but even locally, you think who's around me that, you know, thinks the same way. Maybe you're in some high school where there's just a ton of jocks and it's all about sports and you're just a total nerd. Well, you know, you're not going to find the support in school then. You need to start thinking, where am I going to find the support, right? You know, to put this in different terms, don't go barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. You know, maybe it goes into different insecurities we have. Like people are insecure. They're like, oh, I just want the support of my parent. Like, well, then you need to show your parent how this is relevant. Like my friend Miles... His parents, you know, they don't think music is relevant, but he loves music. And so he showed his parents, he's like, mom, music is a viable thing. I can support myself here. Cause it's really understanding that the parents are being that way because they care about their sons. They care about their kids. They want their kids to have good lives. And really when you break it down, everyone is just wanting to be loved and support other people, right? I, that's my fundamental belief. Maybe there's some cases where I'm wrong, but overwhelmingly I've noticed Everyone wants to be loved and everyone wants to be appreciated and they want a community where they have support. Yeah. And they do that by giving support to other people sometimes, right? So kind of taking a step away from that, you need to show that, no, this is viable. This is good. Or this is going to make me happy. This is going to fulfill my life in some way or aspect and that'll take care of me. I will be okay when you can't take care of me because they want to see you successful. I mean, I've struggled with this with my parents. They're like, Brie, why are you coding? You're not making any money off it. It's not going to help you at all. I'm like, this is the future, mom. Let me show you this. And I show her this. And I'm like, this is why it's good. And, you know, I had to, you know, mature a little bit and realize my mom was being this way, not because she wants to make my life hard or wants to be difficult with me or anything like that, but because she was genuinely concerned for my future. She thought school was the only thing that was relevant. And then she realized where it was taking me, what it was getting me, and what it was doing for me. It was fulfilling me emotionally, it was making me happier, it was making me feel empowered to do stuff, as well as, you know, it was a viable opportunity. So again, going back to Miles, he discovered something that is musical therapy, right? So musical therapy, you know, you know, people go to drugs, they go to substances to, you know, treat, you know, personal insecurities or damages within themselves, like psychological things that they struggle with. But when you break it down to music, I think music is a great form of telling stories, right? And so, uh, break it, I think a great song that kind of exemplifies this is a song called Little Wonders, right? So it tells a story of these little moments and how they're meaningful in our lives and you know how they ultimately create the best moments of our lives. They're the little uh, highlights, if you will, of our lives. 
Uh, there are things that seem insignificant that aren't really anything, but when you look back, those are the best parts. It's stuff like eating pizza rolls with your best friend on your couch talking about some football team, you know, <laughs> something yeah. like that, yeah. right? It's, it's just goofy stuff like that. And so it's music that tells stories like that, you know, and music therapy combines therapy conversations. You know, one moment you're talking about the song, you know, you're talking about, oh, this song, you know, it's talking about this and this. And then you realize, oh my God, it's like slaps you in the face, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, this is something I'm struggling with. And this song, like it's so beautifully states it. And you know, you'll see this in Christian music, especially where it just hits the point home so hard. And you just like, it's not in your face. It's not aggressive. It's just natural. And it's a great progression. And so he showed his mom, he's like, mom, music therapy. This is why music is good. Music is meaningful to me. It makes me happy, but also it's a viable opportunity. I think that was something that I really struggled with because I pursued, I pursued music um, <clears throat> early on, but I really struggled with, there was a lot of tension between me and my parents. And I think there's so many ways I could have done it better. I love that perspective of being, of saying like, okay, if you're not getting support at school, like find it somewhere else. There's someone out there that is going to see what you're doing and going to want to encourage you. Yeah. Even if you're terrible, like, yeah. No lie. I was the worst programmer ever, <laughs> literally a year and a half ago. But now, um, you're pretty good. I've been told by a lot of people like mine's like industry standard code and I'm like up to people who are in their thirties and I'm doing really good stuff. And it's, it's cool because you see growth, especially when you document, you know, I'm yeah. huge on documenting everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying that a lot. I, I will say it on everything. So the, what am I thinking about now? Um, okay, so would you say, would you agree that once you found this really kind of curious drive outside of school, or you found other ways to fulfill that curiosity, did it bring a lot of relevance back to school? Like when you came back to school, were you kind of like, I kind of see the purpose in all these yeah. classes? Yeah, okay. Even the ones that you didn't really care for? Um. I've always tried really hard in school, but again, you're talking about seeing the relevance. And then I began to understand why this was important, right? Because I've always thought, oh, you know, school is teaching me a mindset, right? It's teaching me a thought process. It's teaching me how to learn. Mm -hmm. School didn't teach me anything that I, about that. Probably the most valuable lessons I've learned from school are actually the math lessons and the English lessons about it's not black and white. There's a gray area, you know? Mm -hmm. It's really, school has been this whole overarching thing to teach me emotional intelligence and empathy, mm. right? And so it's littered through all these classes and you know, I'll say it constantly, math is beautiful because there's that in math too. There's the emotional intelligence in math because mm -hmm. what does this number mean? That's the emotional intelligence. That's what school teaches you. But I didn't understand that until again, I found something that, you know, I couldn't get enough of. You know, when I code- You had to make the connection. Like, yeah. it's almost like school was trying to teach you this all the all the time and then all of a sudden you had to make the connection yeah i feel like school is kind of like it gives you this framework and then you're like okay cool but it's like kind of giving you the answer without telling you why that it's the answer or why it is the answer because you know hmm. the answer being education right because i mean self-education formal education i feel like a mix is amazing because you start from knowing nothing and then you get some self-education and that's where the passion goes in and that's where you develop your skills yeah intensely but again going back to your question when i found really something that i love doing i took that 
I grabbed it by the neck, I held on for dear life, and I just, you know, I went at it every day. I, I couldn't get enough. You know, I probably would sleep five hours a night, like weeks in a row. I'd still do my homework, I'd still have the discipline, get my homework done. Because, you know, as I got deeper into coding and I got deeper into making things with robots and, you know, even now drones, I saw, oh, this is why this is important. You know, engineering isn't important because it's cool and it's fun. Engineering is important because, hey, we just saved a million people's lives because we just discovered that when we do this, it gives us a little bit of an advantage. So yeah. then our structure's stronger. Also, it saves money, so it incentivizes people to use this form, right? Medical medicine, it isn't important because, oh, it's cool, we just discovered something awesome. No, it's important because you're saving lives by doing your work. And when your passion is really saving lives, then that's where you get that insatiable drive, right? You can't yeah. be satisfied with what you've done in the past. You want more. And then you start to realize, oh, this is laced in everything. And I, you know, this is a bit more poetic, but I personally see everything as connecting and interwoven, you know? Mm -hmm. In science, we have this whole thought, oh, there's one unified theory. We have this whole th like thought process of we need to unify our theory. So there's two main thought processes right now. There's, you know, Einstein theory of relativity, and then there's you know, all the theories that go into quantum mechanics, which I don't yeah. fully understand, right? So these are two theories that don't completely align, like overlap with each other, right? Okay. So since they don't combine, we want to unify them, right? So again, this kind of goes in that everything ties together somehow. So we figured out that, you know, in the world, everything ties together. And then in physics, we were having this conversation in physics today, there's tie-ins with, you know, the more, you know, uh, English-related stuff, right? There's it's called metaphysics, and that's because it's about kind of the ethics of things, the morals of things, mm -hmm. religion. It ties in religion, spirituality, and how that all works together. Yeah. You know, so you have this total nerd stuff, you know, but really, I think the people who understand that everything is connected and there's everything in everything, they start to realize, you know, my passion is in English yeah. as much as it is in science. My passion is in math as much as it is in science. Or, you know, my passion is in English. I mean, my passion is in math as, lot, as much as it is in science, right? Yeah. Or English or anything, right? So these things that seem different that we've regimented off, they're really overlapping and it's really beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I related to when you said that engineering isn't important because it's cool and because there's opportunity, it's important because it saves lives. I started to try to think about education in that same way one of the reasons I left teaching is because I felt like the way I was being asked to teach did not align with how I felt people learned. Yeah. And so to me, education isn't important because kids need to do what an adult says. It's important because when you learn things about the world, um, you can provide value to other people. Yeah. Not even valuable that. Service. Like, you can learn how to be happy, you know? Yeah. And I think that's really the core of the issue. Absolutely. You know, I know I'm just like 17, right? No, I'm 18 now. I'm 18 now. Hey, 18. <laughs> that's right. So I'm 18 now. When was your now. birthday? Uh, September 4th. Oh, man. We're really close. Yeah. Mine's yeah. August 30th. Oh, dang. Yep. See, that's close to my I just turned. Too. I just turned 37. 37? Old. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, do you want, um, I don't know who's going to listen to this, but do you want to give people a way to like reach out to you and say hey you do suck at code or you are awesome yeah i mean <laughs> even if you want to yell at me for anything i've said because it sounded dumb hey man 
Let me know how I'm wrong. I love being corrected. <laughs> That's right. So um, where do they correct you on? Uh, you can contact me via let's let's check LinkedIn real quick. I need to get my LinkedIn profile. I need to remember stuff. <laughs> well, the, your LinkedIn profile is really just your name, right? Uh, it is. Oh yeah, just search Brady Anderson on LinkedIn, yeah. or you can go to Twitter, which is Brady Anderson Forty. Um, or you can just straight up email me bradya805 at gmail.com nice yeah thanks for being on my uh, my show yeah school's out school's out yeah All right, that does it for today's episode of Schools Out, the podcast that we talk about learning outside of the classroom. Man, with that, when that bell rings, that's when life begins for a lot of students. I know that. And um, would love to connect with you if you're listening. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, tell me what you heard. Find me on Twitter at philipmott one There's one Ellen Philip that might help you. Uh, find my page on Facebook. It's called... Philip Mott Tutoring and Advising. I had done some tutoring for a while, so I kept that page. Um, Or find me on Instagram at philip.mott. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. Take care.